Welcome to the Diabetes and Endocrinology Podcast, where endocrinologist Dr. Julian Wong, who is based in Whittington Health Hospital, London, discusses cases and topics on diabetes and endocrinology. This is part 3, Hyperglycemic Magnitude and Management. So we've talked about ketones, acidosis, but we've not talked very much about magnitude of hyperglycemia. So um, with HHS, um, they are usually much more hyperglycemic than with DKA. Um, can anyone think of why that might be? So the main difference is the speed of presentation. Okay, so with DKA, it typically presents over hours to days, whereas with HHS, it presents over days to weeks. So it's a more insidious, slower presentation, which gives them greater opportunity to, to basically uh, lose fluid through osmotic diuresis. Okay, that's one of the main differences, is the speed of presentation. Um, and... Um, and so when you measure their glucose, usually the, um, with HHS, their glucose will be very high. So we're talking over 50, typically over, often over 60, whereas with DKA, it would be less usual to see somebody with, whose glucose is more than 30, 35, okay? So, and it is because the osmolality is mainly determined by sodium, glucose and urea, it is the high glucose that's causing them to be hyperosmolar. So obviously in, in, in your case, uh, we, we don't have the exact numbers to play with, but, um, uh, but it sounds like, uh, you know, they had a diagnosis of HHS um, and, and so the treatment for HHS, what, what, what might it be, can you think? fluids and electrolyte losses? Precisely. So you give them isotonic fluid, lots of it, and potassium, and that alone will cause their osmolality to decrease because their glucose will decrease. Okay? And um, one of the goals of therapy with um, HHS is that the osmolality, you want it to reduce slowly not too fast why might that be can you think of a reason isn't it because it causes like changes in the brain like the myelin sheets and that can cause like weird neuro you're, you're on the right track it is the brain uh but uh but what about what's special about the brain and osmolality where you wouldn't want to change it too fast That's pre so, th so that's exactly right. So, so the blood-brain barrier um, uh, basically doesn't allow everything to move around as freely as the rest of the body. So there are some um, organic um, uh, osmotically active solutes that are in the brain where um, if you lower the tonicity of blood outside of the brain, 
um, then what happens is fluid follows high tonicity, so the fluid flows into the brain, which is a small enclosed space, and therefore the brain swells up where you get cerebral edema. Okay, so that's the reason why the tonicity in the blood needs to be lowered, but gradually. And because with DKA, um, the, um, the tonicity is not that high, that's much less of a problem with DKA. So you do not have to lower their glucose or um, their, uh, uh, that slowly in DKA. You can, you can crack on and treat the um, ketones quite aggressively and quickly. The exception to that rule is children. Children with DKA are quite susceptible to cerebral edema, so they do have to try to slow things down. But in adults, that's not much of an issue. So, so the standard first-line treatment is no, you do not give insulin, because if you did, what might happen? You'd obviously lower blood glucose. Exactly. You'd lower the blood glucose too quickly, and therefore their tonicity would also fall too quickly. So that's why the standard treatment of HHS is you do not give insulin immediately. You just give fluids and you allow time for the glucose to fall in a controlled manner. If the glucose is not falling, despite giving fluid hydration, at that point it is entirely appropriate to give insulin. But you would give half as much insulin as you might with DKA. So 0.05 units per kilogram per hour. In somebody who's got very concentrated, sticky blood, what complication might they get? Thrombosis. Yeah, so thrombosis, correct. So, so thromboprophylaxis is extremely important for HHS. It's a much bigger complication than in DKA. Um, at, because of the high blood tonicity. So, so that's one of the mainstays of treatment. Your targets with HHS are to lower glucose by 5 millimoles per litre per hour maximum. Okay? So if you go from 70 down to 30 in an hour, that's not good. Okay? You want it to come down slowly. So if we summarise, therefore, with DKA, your primary goal of therapy is suppress ketones by giving insulin, replace electrolytes by giving potassium, replace lost fluid by giving fluids. Once you have got rid of all ketones, then your secondary aim is to control glucose by giving a variable rate insulin. With, with HHS, your primary goal is to normalize tonicity slowly. So therefore you give fluids but no insulin and you make sure that the glucose falls slowly and gradually until you reach normality uh, and then uh, and, and, and you replace electrolytes and you replace fluids but that's going to be the way you achieve a normal tonicity anyway. Here are a few learning points from today regarding hyperglycemia magnitude. 1. In DKA, glucose is high, but usually less than 35. In HHS, glucose is very, very high, usually more than 50. 2. 
This is due to the speed of presentation. DKA presents quicker from hours to days, whereas HHS presents slower from days to weeks, which allows more time for fluid loss through osmotic diuresis. Regarding management of DKA. 1. The primary goal is to 1. Suppress ketone by giving insulin. 2. Replace electrolyte by giving potassium. And 3. Replace fluid by giving fluid. 2. Insulin is given at 0.1 units per kilogram per hour as fixed rate infusion until there are no more ketones. After that, insulin is given at a sliding scale to control glucose. 3. The potassium replacement dose is 40 millimoles per bag of fluid if the serum potassium is less than 5.5. Regarding management of HHS. 1. The primary goal is to 1. Normalize tonicity slowly by giving isotonic fluid, not insulin. 2. Replace electrolytes by giving potassium. 3. Replace fluid by giving fluid. 2. Osmolality should be reduced gradually to prevent cerebral edema. 3. It is important to give thromboprophylaxis due to high blood tonicity. 4. Remember to rule out acute kidney injury before potassium replacement. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you learned something today, please consider to subscribe and share it with your friends. See you next time. Until then, stay curious.